0: In this week's really useful podcast, we'll be learning why Meta is pushing Instagram NFTs, why leaked documents show Facebook's collaboration with the DHS, and a load of tips and tricks to help you make the better use of your technology. My name is Christian Carley and with me is Gavin Phillips. Hey, Gavin. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right. How are you?
1: Yes, very well, thank you. Yes, looking forward to getting stuck into this week. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, we always record this on a Monday. Nine times out of ten, don't we? So we're. Um, I mean, do you know what? I mean, th- there's a lot of effort goes into looking good, feeling good, and doing something good first thing on a Monday morning, isn't there?
1: absolutely and uh i do feel it kind of sets you up quite nicely actually it gives you a nice bit of focus for monday morning when uh this time of year it can be a bit drab and gray in the uk can't it so uh it's a nice little boost i think it can it's almost a default
0: um we will push on (laughs) uh to but look um nfts we've talked about nfts on the show before and you know gavin has explained to us what nfts are what they're not and you know, it's pretty clear that it's a bit of a specialised thing for people who want to spend money on a certain thing that they could maybe get just by, you know, right-clicking and saving. Uh, but um <laughs> we're now into this world where Meta, who have been making some increasingly strange choices of late, such as uh, reinventing Second Life for the office, um, are pushing NFTs on Instagram. What's going on with this, Gavin?
1: Yeah, it's quite interesting. So uh, over the weekend or towards the end of uh, last week, uh, Meta announced that they were going to allow creators on Instagram to basically directly sell NFT uh, NFTs to their users. Um, it's interesting because... NFTs are already available to be showcased on, NF- uh, on on Instagram. They announced this earlier in 2022. Uh there's been some uptake from people that are into the technology, but it's, you know, it's still fairly niche as, you know, even even cryptocurrencies are still relatively niche, um mm. despite how much you hear about them. And NFTs as a subset of that are are even more niche. There's very few people that actually actually own them you know Yeah. Um, but meta is um, as you previously alluded to going big on the metaverse you know it's part of the reason why they changed their name you know um, and so this change is going to allow top creators at least to begin with to create uh, non-fungible tokens and sell them directly to their users um, how the actual process of sale will come about and how they will be stored isn't completely known yet but we do know that they will use the uh the polygon uh blockchain which is a a very popular and slightly faster um secondary chain to ethereum we won't get into all of that but um effectively they're they're going really hard on you know digital assets digital content and further integration into you know metaverse services really
0: yeah i noticed they've said they won't take a cut of nft sales until 2024
1: yeah that's interesting isn't it um i guess they don't want to scare people off yeah really um if you are gonna sell nfts uh, and someone like Meta says we're going to take a huge chunk of the sale, you would quickly divert to one of the alternative platforms and the, the now sort of well-established alternative platforms like OpenSea, Rarible, uh, Super Rare, for instance, uh, who take, I don't know the exact percentages, but it's not a great deal. Um but I'm guessing Meta would take a pretty hefty chunk when they do want to do it. Yeah, uh, I've always thought the better operation would be take a small chunk of lots of things, but that's not always how these things work, is it?
0: No, it's not. No, no. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. Obviously, the Instagram being a sort of a marketplace for things is kind of a a surprise pivot, I guess, in some ways. And if not surprised, then I. NFTs isn't the sort of thing that I thought they would be wanting to sell
1: no uh, it's not me either personally but I can see how as part of a wider sort of you know push into the metaverse and digital assets if people are going to eventually Uh, be forced to go and be there (laughs) well people might want to look their best you know we've seen things like in uh roblox the 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 game where you can create things with blocks and what have you that isn't the same as minecraft but they have their own currency in that game don't they Uh, robux and many big companies actually have established stores within the roblox universe so for example you could go to the gucci store in robux and buy your character an expensive outfit uh to you know show that you're richer in robux than other people but mm. yeah i mean that's it's not, a not a new thing because that's <laughs> yeah
0: well i mean i mentioned second life earlier and you could buy things in second life like skins and landscapes and buildings and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's, it's not a new idea that the NFT element to this is 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 a new uh, development, I guess. It's, I don't know, for those of us who, I don't want to sound old, you know, because you know, I first went on the internet in 1995. I had a computer in 1984. I'm, I'm not some sort of aging, creaky old Luddite, but S- selling digital assets it just never um sat, sat well with me really of this of this kind it just feels it doesn't it doesn't we'll see how it turns out on instagram anyway but i just can't see it being a long-term winner just like i i don't see facebook's whole metaverse or meta's whole metaverse thing in a workplace digital workplace where everyone looks like a nintendo me um, really taking off, <laughs> but, you know, that's, ju- that's just my, my take on it. It's interesting, actually, because everything that we're talking about in today's show is uh, social network related. We're, um, we're finding out that Facebook has been collaborating with the Department of Homeland Security and police and other law and security enforcement agencies around the world to, quote-unquote, crack down on the spread of disinformation... Um. Uh, so, they they've joined forces. Uh, the project comes in the form of a portal, which is, um, I think there's more than one portal, it depends on where in the world you are. Uh, for, the, um, for the United States and DHS officials, it's called the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency has a portal that can interact with Facebook staff. Uh investigative journalist Lee Fang wrote that topics like withdrawal from Afghanistan, origins of COVID, and info that undermines trust in financial institutions were among the kind of contents being targeted through this collaboration. So basically if you go on the social net if you go on Facebook and express an opinion on something or share something and express an opinion on that, then uh, you're... um your, your, your thoughts and your quotes are being targeted and highlighted as misinformation or subverted in some other way, perhaps lost or made invisible to other readers. This portal has been likened to President Joe Biden's failed disinformation board. In early 22, he announced the creation of this, a new board which received a lot of backlash from both right and left-wing supporters who thought that the US government should not have a say in what is true or unsure, I must admit, I spent a long time after hearing of the disinformation board thinking it was sort of like a pin board
1: rather than a group of people. <laughs> They're like a dart board that they throw at yeah, Well, maybe, them. yes.
0: So, um, it's all about censoring disinformation, but there's always that big question of what is disinformation, who determines whether it's disinformation, and should government be the people determining what is disinformation, when, of course, governments are very rarely are honest and are prone to, uh, <laughs> not, you know, not playing hard and fast with the truth.
1: So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of concerning, isn't it? It's tricky, isn't it? Because, uh, as you said... Uh, can put your trust in the government but could you also put your trust into facebook <laughs> I know, it's a
0: big reach isn't
1: it it is the big reach and it's the question that comes about on all social media platforms isn't it um and as we'll get into in a minute with twitter that's a lot of a lot of why uh, mr musk has even gone about buying twitter to begin with isn't it because of all the misinformation coming from whichever side of the the aisle you you step out of it comes from absolutely everywhere uh, and people don't trust that social media platforms should be the ultimate arbiters of truth um, and you kind of have to agree with that really because the admin teams of these social media networks are inevitably going to lean one way or the other aren't they and yeah. they're never going to you're never going to be able to eliminate inherent bias from these platforms. So, but then the alternative um, is complete, unbridled—you know—madness. Madness, yes,
0: uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. As as we've also seen on other social media platforms that do go for a very, very open approach to this sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, we see disinformation come out of places like uh was it 4chan and uh an 8chan and 8kun and all that sort of places so uh, and that's just to name a few so i don't think there's an easy answer to anything like this and how you rein in the things and topics that people talk about on social media i th- I, I actually kind of believe it's impossible in many ways yeah i think you're probably right <laughs>
0: Now, as you are probably aware at this point in time, uh, and as Gavin has just mentioned, uh, Elon Musk, who has um, bought Twitter, still yet to release that cologne. And um, lots of people are getting rather upset and deciding that they want to go elsewhere. I'm thinking, actually, about what Gavin just said. I I wonder if maybe a lot of this... um, Obviously, there have been big things that have kind of punctuated this kind of... What we're now talking about, um, Elon Musk buying Twitter... And his reasons for doing that. I think, although there's been various things that have happened over the past six or seven years that have kind of maybe fractured and splintered online conversation, I do wonder if it's actually um, that the key element from the last US election, namely um, Hunter Biden's laptop, which is the thing that's really swung this. Because it was it was declared misinformation, disinformation, lies, and all sorts at the time, and then slowly been confirmed over time that actually it was completely true. But it doesn't matter now, and that's kind of a big deal, isn't it? Because it's and everyone then suddenly either they still believe the the original kind of narrative around that, or they think it's really really bad that it happened, and it's kind of got a lot of people cross about things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And once you make um, such a steadfast decision, uh, this is particularly on on Twitter, wasn't it? Where they are yeah. like, we're not going to allow stories of this nature to even be shared. Um, you've effectively, you've effectively aligned your organisation with a specific, uh, a specific po- political stance, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and whilst this podcast isn't about um, about politics, we do discuss. You know the implications of of these sorts of decisions, and um, and rowing back from something like that is in, is incredibly difficult. And the polarization that we've seen, um, throughout the last sort of I don't know, decade or five to seven years, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know these sorts of these sorts of events. You know, really put a stamp on why people are so disenfranchised with. Uh, government resources, government media, uh, and and a general mistrust in, you know, I'm doing big air fingers here, in mainstream media, because hmm. I, I really dislike that turn in general. Um, but when this sort of thing happens, you can see exactly why that distrust is there. Yeah,
0: I, re- I came very close to my Alex Jones impersonation then. Um, Anyway, so with that as a sort of um, preface to what we're about to say, uh, a lot of people have been looking at Mastodon as an alternative to Twitter. Now, I'm going to say it's not an alternative to Twitter. It is an open source social network. So, if you were to set up a Mastodon instance, which isn't easy, uh, you would have your own social network. Now, if you have a, if you're part of a large online community, this might be a good idea. For most people, this isn't a good idea. Uh, Mastodon is part of uh, something else called the Fediverse, which is a uh, adherence of the uh, Fediverse. Get really cross when people just sort of. Um, loop the whole thing as the umbrella of mastodon which i mean to one thing i would say mastodon's a much more memorable name fediverse sounds like the fictional universe created by britney spears ex-husband and um (laughs) it's you know it's it's just it's not worth getting upset about anyway so you can sign up for mastodon and you can use an existing server and that's probably the easiest way to do it and you will find communities there that you can join engage with all that sort of thing and they're very much uh, localized around the world so you'll have like a european group of servers a us group of servers etc or you can go the whole hog and create your own which is going to require hosting a domain name and a lot of setup um using uses linux it runs on linux it actually runs in a docker instance and so it does get very complicated, it's probably best just to stick to the Mastodon instances that are available and seeing what you can find there. But I've done a kind of uh, an outline guide, which has hopefully been recently updated by one of our Make Use of colleagues, as to what you need to know about the open source social network Mastodon and what you can do with it and what you can't do with it. So I recommend you check that out. I've also personally compiled a list of alternatives to Twitter that you may consider. Uh, number one in that is Mastodon. You may, I never, all of this. I mean, as as Gavin's mentioned, politics aside, because you'll recognise some of these names as being from one side of the political aisle, and others from the other. Okay, I'm not going to put pass judgment on any of these things. I'm just going to give you the list. So another alternative is Gap. Another one is Amino, uh, which I'm I'm I first compiled this list about five years ago, and amazed Amino is still running. Uh, another one is Getter which is gttr uh there is parlor there is co-host uh you've also got counter social which kind of looks like tweet deck it's very political counter social so if the politics side of twitter is something that you like particularly counter social might be your preferred destination uh there is rafter which um although it's a uh, Initially launched a few years ago, it's kind of pivoted to become a community building platforms uh, for universities, organisations, and clubs. Uh, there's Plurk, which I think is um, is from Taiwan, and it, it kind of looks a bit like Twitter only sideways. Best way of putting it. There's WT Social, which is a um, it was conceived by Jimmy Wales of uh, Wikipedia fame and it's a very um i think the best way of describing this uh it feels more cerebral and reasoned and more <laughs> aimed at more educated people than maybe standard social networks are there's instagram which is a perfectly good alternative if particularly if you like sharing media on twitter there is discord which i think is probably the best option um because you can set up any conversation on Discord any topic thing and then people will join it. The problem with Discord is getting people to join it. So, yeah, that's 12 replacements that uh, you may opt for if you do choose to leave Twitter. I'm I mean I'm personally not convinced by any arguments of leaving Twitter. It it's never been well run. It never will be well run. It's as simple as that. It's like a football club. <laughs>
1: But, you know, like a football club, we just keep loving them no matter what happens. (laughs) (laughs) No matter the hurts. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I do agree with you, though, actually, Christian. Uh, I know a lot of people have said, ah, I'm going to leave Twitter and it's going to become a cesspool and... um... Perhaps, perhaps it will become more accessible than uh, it already can be uh, in certain certain places. But I'm going to stick with it for the for the meantime, at least until it does become uh, arguably much much worse. Um, the interesting thing I find about Mastodon uh, and something I do think they could work on, uh, and which is actually really usefully explained in in, in the article you alluded to, uh, is the sign up process, um, which. Isn't entirely intuitive to someone no. who is used to going to a website uh, where you create an account uh, and you put a password and a username in, and that's jobs are good, isn't it? Yeah. So, for example, I don't know if this is just because they've had so many signups, but the standard mastodon.social page, the first page that you land on with mastodon, um, you can't make an account there. Uh, I'm guessing maybe because that's the. That's the universal feed, is it? So it then suggests you go and find a different server. So that's all well and good. You click on the button, uh, you know, find another server. You then create an account on a different server, but it doesn't necessarily make it apparent that the a uh, specific username you may have chosen is actually only relevant to that specific that instance. Yeah, yeah. And that uh, you will have to recreate or at least re-enter a different username when you create a new or, or enter a different server. Um, in that, like you said, it is really useful. It's interesting and I really quite like it, but it's definitely not... It's not an out of the box Twitter experience no, that I believe not. some people are sort of marking it as, is it?
0: No, it's definitely not. And I'm I'm a bit confused as to why people are kind of anyone who's gone to use Mastodon is not going to should not recommend it as something that's like easy to do and user friendly and everything because it's not. It's you know there's a lot of stuff to do behind the scenes to get it running if you and that's just setting up an account never mind hosting your own instance so i think a lot of people have been dishonest about it and maybe they have an interest in doing so maybe you know i, I don't know what the motivations are there are better options than mastodon as i've just gone through so uh if you are considering abandoning abandoning twitter um please check that list uh, that you'll find in the show notes along with everything else that we discuss in this week's really useful podcast <laughs> that nicely not really um brings us to the part of the show where we exercise our right to give you a recommendation um this is something that we may have watched enjoyed bought seen um been hit over the head with uh, i don't know any anything like that something awesome that you can check out yourself uh we both have one i don't know who's going
1: to go first gavin uh, you can go first this week, Chris. Okay, I'll go first.
0: <laughs> well, okay, I've been waiting for this for months, and, I, you know, I was really nervous in case it actually would turn out to be not very good. Uh, however, um, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I have a Roku stick, so I get the Roku channel, which means on Friday nights I could, but I didn't, I wish on Saturday, uh, watch Weird, the Al Yankovic story. I'm one of those few people in Britain who's heard of, Al Yankovic, and also one of the few people in Britain who heard of Al Yankovic in the 80s and uh, kind of uh, kept tabs on what he was doing. So, uh, like a surgeon, and the one that was kind of popular in the UK, which was uh, Eat It, and uh, he also had a uh, track on the Transformers, the movie album back in 1986, Dare to be Stupid. Oh, I know them all. I've got them all. Uh, so I was really looking forward to seeing this. When I've, I mean, I'll tell you something. When I first heard about this movie... And that Daniel Radcliffe was playing Al Yankovic. I honestly, I thought the whole thing was a spoof. Because why wouldn't it be? (laughs) There's no reason for it to be real. Um, But no, it is real. And it is absolutely just a really, really silly movie. I absolutely loved it. So there's so many things I could tell you. I don't want to spoil it. But it's it's just such a silly film. If you like Al Yankovic and you like silly movies, you should definitely check it out.
1: I am planning to watch it. Uh, I've heard that uh, it's Daniel Radcliffe, isn't it? Yeah. Um, playing yeah. Weird Al, so I've heard that he does a pretty good job. He does. Some of the reviews I've read. Yeah. It's it's yeah, such as it's just so silly. Um, the
0: one thing I should add though is none of his. There's very little of his later material in there. I think it goes as far as. I mean, it all appears to be set between sort of 1979 and 1985, even though things that occurred way after 1985 appear in the movie because it's you know it's uh, they intentionally made it this sort of fictionalized in the way that the Elton John and the Queen movies were very fictionalized and things didn't happen in the right order, uh, so they've done mm-hmm. that intentionally here to kind of poke fun at that. But uh, yeah, so there's no um, there's no Lady Gaga parodies in there or any um uh, there's not even uh, pretty fly for rabbi unfortunately which is one of my favorite but uh little spoiler amish paradise is in there
1: aha i was just gonna ask about that that's been one of my favorites <laughs> 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 oh god so um this week for you christian um I've been a little laid up over the weekend in bed, feeling a bit sorry for myself. So, I've been mainly um, fumbling about on my smartphone, as you might imagine. Right. And during one of my darker moments, <laughs> oh
0: dear, oh
1: dear, <laughs> I downloaded a game called Impossible Dungeon, uh, which is it's like an idle clicker game. This is this is how bad it got for a while. Um, And uh, it's one of those where you you don't really engage with the game all that much. It just happens in front of you. Okay. (laughs) Um, So it's called Impossible Dungeon. Download it. uh, And you get, like, an option of choosing your party. So you have uh, a fighter, um, uh, a ranger, uh, a priest, and, and so on. And they plow through dungeon after dungeon, slaughtering all that comes before them and questing for loot. Okay. Uh, and as they proceed through it, they gather up like gold and resources and stuff. And you, you, know, you can power them up and give them little boosts and uh, help them learn new spells and skills and this sort of stuff. Um, it's a very, very passive game. <laughs> um, it was built on the back of another game by the same developer called... Uh, Click Apocalypse Two, right? <laughs> which is an which is an incredible game, uh, incredible name for a game. Sorry, uh, and that's the same sort of thing. Like they go across the screen through all these dungeons and fight hordes of monsters and stuff. I've always had a bit of an interest in um, you know incremental, idle games, as when you're working and you sometimes. Sometimes you don't want to listen to music. Sometimes you do want to watch something, but you don't want it to be that engaging. No. Uh, and having these, like, characters on a small screen next to you, just, you know, going about their business, uh, going through, slaughtering the monsters, clearing out the dungeons is quite quite nice to glance at every now and then. Um, so that's available on Android. That's Impossible Dungeon. Uh, and it's, you know, if you've got nothing to do or you're on a long journey or something like that and you just want something to zone out to then uh, that's a good shout
0: i um i just looked it up on the play store and the first line of the description is can you conquer the impossible dungeon brackets no it's impossible close brackets which <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna check it out for that alone uh <laughs> oh, well thank you for that recommendation gavin that brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast uh we um have given all the information that we've discussed you'll find in the show notes and uh if you find us on social network such as twitter or facebook or wherever you may find us uh or on your podcast player do share any information that you think will benefit your friends family etc or just your community and we'll be back next week for a new show until then it's goodbye from us